Welcome to Two Men On, ladies and gentlemen. 110%. Kill the cards. Oh, what yeah, I remember that one. Tell where you are. I was telling you suck. You know what? I, I quit. I really quit. <laughs> the Kwame Brown of fantasy baseball. I love enough somebody to say that. Wayne Grove Party Con, right? Yeah. You're regretting this already. <laughs> Which two men are on? T-M-O, baby. All wood, no cork. Hello, BDL, and welcome to 2016. This is Two Men On returning for our first show uh, in the 2016 uh, year and upcoming season. Uh, really excited to be back. I have, of course, Johnny Holmes with me here, uh, my uh, faithful co-host, and uh, joining us for the entire show this uh, this time, uh, Chris of the Beers. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's do this. All right. Uh, we're going to delve into uh, primarily one specific topic this show, uh, split into uh, several subtopics, really just diving into the uh, 2016 BDL draft and, and see how that went down. And, of course, we wanted to pull Chris in uh, for this particular show, uh, considering he is our resident uh, minorly important author and knows his stuff. So we're going to uh, hopefully have a good time uh, dissecting the winners and losers of the draft, uh, look at uh, the draft results compared to the uh, um, um, mock draft that was uh, that was published there days prior to the draft itself, and maybe just a quick look at, at a few of the uh, uh, clubs we have here in the BDL and, and, and the shape that their systems are in. But I guess first things first, Johnny, uh, we ought to say welcome to uh, the new blood in the BDL. Uh, Steve and Tim uh, stepped into the league uh, just, a, just a few weeks ago. And we'll be discussing the uh, the micro draft, uh, first ever BDO micro draft that they participated in to fill out those clubs here in just a moment. But uh, great to have them both in the league now. Uh, I think we've seen some really good things from them so far. A lot of activity. Uh, they both seemed very enthusiastic uh, to to uh, uh, set 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 a course for their teams there in the micro draft and. Uh, there's been a, a lot, lot, lot of trade activity in the BDL in, uh, this off season, uh, including both of them as well as many other uh, owners. And um, I don't know how much of that is they're doing as far as spurring a lot of new uh, uh, conversation and negotiation, um, or, or or how much of that is just uh, a, maybe a couple owners uh, ready to shake things up. But in any case, uh, welcome Scott and. Scott, Steve, and Tim, and uh, good luck to you in 2016. Johnny, what do you think about our new additions? Are we getting another Scott? What would that be, number five? Number, number five, six. I was the one advocating uh, for that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need another Scott. Um, welcome, Steve. Welcome, Tim. Uh, I'm very excited for you guys to be here, and uh, hopefully we can trash you pretty hard here today. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they've been a pretty good influence on the board so far, too. You know, I think getting involved in a lot of conversations, starting a lot of trash talk already. So uh, curious to see once their teams actually start actually playing to see if that trash talk continues. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, maybe a little bit of frustration I've sensed on both of their parts in trying to uh, 
uh, improve their teams this early before you know free agency has begun. And I, I say that in a, in a positive sense in that they're both very eager, it seems, to really hit the ground running and make improvements where they can, when they can, and as often as they can uh, in advance of, of the start of the 2016 um, uh, season. You know, I, I know I, I have personally had you know, multiple uh, talks with, with both of the guys, uh, uh, some that have gotten, I guess, relatively close, others that haven't. But uh, we always seem to revisit, you know, ideas uh, and see maybe if something will go somewhere. So uh, both very enthusiastic, and it's just it's, it's really cool to see. Uh, but we, of course, making room for the, the, two, of the, uh, the, the two of them, we, we did have a couple exits uh, this offseason. Uh, we should probably address here right off. Uh, of course, we lost uh, both uh, Owens and uh, uh, Craig um, just a couple months ago, and, uh, and it's always it's always you know sad to see uh, long-standing members um, uh, you know have to uh, find somewhere else to go and 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 focus on other things in, in their lives. And of course, we we understand that those things happen; those things come up. And, and you know, fantasy baseball is while it's a it's a great hobby, it's you know, it's just a small part of life, and, and other parts of life often, uh, uh, you know, dictate uh, our free time. And I think that was largely the case in, in both of their cases. Uh, you know, Owens was, uh, you know, I, I've said this, I don't know how many times since, since his departure, Owens was, uh, was a really great guy. I really enjoyed having him in the league. Um, that's from the bottom of my heart. Um, he, he was fun uh, to have around to talk smack with and, uh, he just—he was just a very good-natured guy, but uh, you know, sometimes it's time to move on, and, and that's where we are. Uh, either of you guys want to uh, want to address uh, Owens or Craig? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in real quick because um, in a little bit here, we'll get into uh, the new guys a bit more uh, with with the draft and what they've been doing. Uh, so it's really exciting to have have them in. Um, love all the activity. I guess from a personal standpoint. You know, it's sad to see Owens go. Um, he, had a, he had a nice little run here, made the playoffs last year. Um, I wish him well. Uh, and when it come, comes to Craig, it's 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 sad for sure. Uh, I lost my one of my <laughs> title matches to him, uh, so there's no redemption there on that front for me. Uh, but also, uh, I felt like he was a, a good friend, and um, you know. I would say this, like uh, having met him and hung out with him uh, so many BDL weekends, um, talking to him, uh, he was such a dick. Uh, <laughs> but but I loved him. I, it, it's really going to be sad uh, losing him. So um, we got some new blood, and hopefully they have uh, they can they can step up to the challenge here. Chris, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think they both brought. I mean, different things to the league. You know, I think when you compare the two owners, they were very different for times, and but but in the good way. You know, in terms of you know bringing a little bit of controversy in terms of uh, you know all the work that Craig did for the league, as well as you know Owens and the smack talk, and really trying to you know he really cared about his team, really trying to build up a team and you know be competitive and, and beat you for for one, Scotty. But you know, I think it's tough to see them both go. Uh, and, and like I said, in Craig's circumstance, I just I think it was time. You know, I hate to put it that way. Um, you know, I think the Craig that, that some of us saw last year, only because, you know, like you just said, there were so many other things going on in his life. Um, I rather would remember the old Craig and the Craig that we, you know, like you just said, the dick. But, uh, you know, 
it sometimes it's just time. Unfortunately, it was it was Craig's time. Yeah, and I think you know I think Craig came to realize that, um, and, and that's the reason that you know we got to the place that we we did this off season with with the Bulldogs. You know he he was um, uh, he he cared enough about the BDL about the league itself to. Um, uh, maybe not know exactly when it was time to move on. You know, maybe you know a, a few months, a year prior to to this off season might have been um, the exact time. But he 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 still he reached that. Um, you know, he he reached that understanding himself. You know, no one pushed him uh, to make that decision, and and he he came to that conclusion on his own. And I think that's a testament to him and the respect that he has for the BDL and, and, and knowing his place here and what he's meant. And, um, yeah, it, it cut me really deep, you know, when, when, when I got the email, uh, from Craig, uh, letting me know, you know, um, what his plans were for the upcoming season. Uh, you know, he, we, we, we build such long lasting, you know, relationships in this league. Uh, at least that, that has been the tradition to now, you know, uh, I, I have known, you know, Craig and Johnny, uh, basically the same amount of time they came into the league, you know, right, right at the same time, but there, there might've been a, I don't know, Johnny, there might've been a few weeks, uh, difference, maybe, maybe a couple months or so. I don't remember exactly how that, how the league was, uh, how the league was formed in terms of uh, which owners came and when there in, in that early 2006 period. But anyway, it was that same time frame, And, you know, so you, you just, you develop a closeness with these, with these guys and it, it's hard. Um, I never thought that we would have a BDL without Craig Hunter. Uh, yet here we are, and um, it is what it is, and we will move on and 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 do our best to build a better league. Um, but yeah, it's tough. Uh, Craig, actually, if I'm not mistaken, someone might correct me on this. Um, I think after after the BDL expanded the first time to what we consider the modern era that began in 2006. Uh, we expanded to 14 teams that year. Um, Craig was the first of that new guard, or the really the, the founding guard, you might you might should say, um, the first member that I personally met. If I if I'm not mistaken, we had scheduled, of course, the the very first BDL weekend that summer in 2006. I believe it was in August, Johnny. Uh, that was at old RFK Stadium in Washington. Mm. Uh, let's see. I think uh, Craig and Johnny, um, Jason Dudovan of the Jolly Jesters was there. That's right. That's of, co- right. of course, uh, John uh, Aikman was there. And um, who else was there? Was Ort? At- no, Ort was not there. Uh, seems like we had one more. It does. Maybe we didn't. But anyway, I don't mean to offend anybody if I'm leaving someone out. But um it was funny, actually. A week prior, a week prior to that BDO weekend, uh, Joe Beth and I were were in Washington on for for a different event. It was just just the two of us, and and so we thought that you know we would try to meet up with with Craig because he lived in the area, and and so we we set that up and we had lunch. Um, and it was the first, you know, that was my first encounter with with someone from you know that that new. Uh, that that the first new blood that we ever had in the BDL, um, and it was it was it was nice, you know. And it's you know Craig, somebody of course like Johnny as well, and others that uh, you know I've I've spent nights in their homes, um, attending these uh, you know BDL functions and such. So you just you you 
you gain a real closeness to these to these people over the years, and it's it's hard uh, to watch somebody uh, to watch somebody step out, even though it may be for the best. But we will greatly miss Craig um, in in the league, and you know no one will ever fill his shoes. But uh, as I said, we will we will work to build a, a better league um, uh, going forward, uh, and and see where it takes us. So. But uh, enough of those douchebags. Let's move on. Uh, yeah. We have some draft to talk about, Mr. Holmes. Yeah. So we, yeah, uh, let's get into it. Yeah, let's, let's get into it. We, we conducted the league's first, just to coin a phrase, a micro-draft um, this offseason between Steve and uh, Tim. Tim of uh, the Treats and of the Rangers. Uh. It was really cool. It was the first time, actually, I guess, Johnny, since 2006 that we have had to draw names for the number one pick. <laughs> Obviously, because this is a dynasty league, we've only ever really drafted in that way uh, twice. You know, we, we had a, a cold draft in 2005, and then we rebooted the league in 2006 when everybody came in. So uh, we, we have not uh, conducted a draft in that way. Uh, or hadn't for what nine, ten years, so it was uh, it was really neat. And of course, Tim drawing the number one pick uh, selected the uh, most sought after prize in the micro draft. Uh, in all in all of baseball. In, in, in all in all of baseball, and I, I guess we'll 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 start from there just to take a look maybe at at least the first round here to start and see. Uh, how, how you think things went, uh, guys? Did you see any surprises? Anything that really shocked you there in the first round in the, in the you know, composition of these two teams? Well, I would say I just love the concept of, of what, what happened here. The fact that we had two guys coming at the same time, we were to pool all the talent. Um, it was actually really exciting. You could see it uh, all over the boards uh, with the other GMs and. Uh, if, if I'm thinking about surprises, um, you know, for me, what was key was the first first few rounds. Uh, and I thought, for sure, Tim Tim won those first few rounds um, with Trout, Arietta, and Cole. And um, it's hard not to win when you when you are, when you're able to select Trout number one. <laughs> but it's going to be interesting because uh, we'll discuss in a minute just what it means having that number two pick that Steve took. Uh, Third. Yeah, the one thing I'd add first. about the micro draft. Well, I mean, the one thing I'd actually add too is that, to be honest with you, I actually wasn't on board with this strategy kind of when I first heard about it. Um, the only re- the real reason for that was that I thought it would actually uh, kind of decrease the trade activity. You know, I think one of the advantages when you have a new member come in is they are taking over a roster that they didn't build. For example, you know, myself or anybody else that kind of came into the league, and you know, I think it really opened up the trade windows for myself early on. Now, what I will say is after seeing these two out of the draft, I really, that opinion wasn't true. You know, so while I was kind of worried that, you know, they would make these selections and just kind of stick with them and kind of decrease the trade activity, it's really gone in the opposite direction. So, you know, I think from my perspective, that that concern went right out the window once I saw these guys start to get in, really get involved, uh, kind of in, you know, molding their teams, even with guys that they selected relatively high. So, you know, it seemed that they came in, made their selections based on best available, and, uh, you know, still sat down and said, okay, even though I have the best available guys that I was able to get, 
I'm really going to try and flip those guys for guys that I'm, you know, obviously more interested in or, or more vested in in other leagues or things like that. So uh, I think that's a really was a positive move that I saw out of both of them. Um, I guess my main reaction from the draft was it, it went pretty much as I would have scripted. You know, when I start to look through some of the picks, you know, I think some guys went up and down kind of based on, you know, whether or not you needed pitching or whether or not you needed offense uh, from here or there. I think the one thing that I'll say is that it seems that they took the draft picks kind of a lot higher than I would have uh, anticipated. And, um, you know, I think that's hard when you come into a new league and you see draft picks. It's tough to know exactly what their value is. It's tough to know even for some of our members that exist today that have been here for years exactly what those, <laughs> what those draft picks are, are valued at. But Read into but that I mean, what you will. Turn, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, if you were to turn around today and say, I'm going to make a trade that is the second overall picker, Dansby Swanson, let's just put it that way, for Adam Jones, for Carlos Martinez, for Anthony Rendon, you know, all guys that went after that point, um, I'm not sure that I would have went in that direction. I mean, obviously getting a nice young, you know, whoever you were going to draft at that point was going to be valuable for your team. I'm just not sure even over the next, you know, three years that you would evaluate that, you know, Swanson's a better pick than Jones or, or those kinds of things. And listen, it all comes down to, you know, personal preference and those kinds of things. And obviously Steve ended up with Adam Jones anyway, so it's a moot point. But to me, even when you look at some of the picks that were a little bit further down, um, when you kind of look at the guys that were still available at that point to take a second round pick, I think they could have done a little bit better taking some of those guys as opposed to holding on to those picks. But again, it's tough to know what their value is. Let's just look at that. Of course, you brought up, you know, you thought it might have been a little too early to take some of those draft picks in the draft, as, as awkward as that sounds. Uh, the, the first one that was taken, of course, was the number two overall selection, as you would expect, uh, which was selected number seven overall in the micro draft. I'm already starting to confuse myself with this verbiage. But <laughs> anyway, that, that pick, of course, ultimately equated to Swanson um, in, in the regular BDL draft in, in round one, that number two overall pick. So it went, uh, you know, it went over, as you say, Chris, you know, picks such as Adam Jones. Uh, going back to the micro draft, I say, uh, you know, Adam Jones, Carlos Martinez, Anthony Rendon, um, you know, go on down the list. Adrian Gonzalez, of course, I'm just going in order. Shelby Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Johnny, do you see? Do you, do you think that might have been a little too high to take that particular pick, or uh, Swanson is is was it worth the reach there for Steve? Well, I'm with you and Chris. I think it was a little too early, but um, I'm excited as we get in as momentarily we get into uh, the regular draft. There's a couple top five shortstops there. That I'm curious to see if they, if they truly pan out because um, they're obviously prospects hard to predict. Uh, these two, in my mind, uh, Swanson and, and Bregman, um, I, I just don't know how to pin them down. Uh, but overall, I, I'd agree with Chris uh, that their general draft strategy was was pretty solid, um, and we'll just wait and see because I think I think these guys wanted to come in and. And have they wanted talent, but they also wanted to put their fingerprints on like, here's my youthful build. Um, mm-hmm. So, absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. And for me, I never thought Swanson was a bad pick. Just saying, in relation to the micro draft thread, seemed a little bit soon. You know, right? right. And it's it, it's hard to 
I guess maintain that context when you're when you're talking about you know the, these two because they're they're two separate drafts really, and so right. it's it's difficult to maintain you know comparing the picks and the players in, in that same context because uh, you know Swanson in the regular draft going number two overall of course is not an absurd thing, nope. uh, so you know and and again. It, all these things are, you know, subjective. And it's just it's all according to how you val- value specific players. And uh, you know, Steve, I think having not drawn that number one overall pick in the micro draft, you know, he, I think he sort of felt like he needed to, I guess, get a little more creative in his team building. Mm-hmm. You know, because he was not going to have that that anchor uh, immediately on his on his squad there. Uh, in 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 Mike Trout, so um, you, know, you can't can't fault him for thinking out of the box. No, I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. Yeah, no, I think it was a strong piece for the team. You just wonder, and again, with two guys, it's it's hard to read. But you wonder if that pick would have been there, you know, three or four spots later, which just would have allowed him to gain a little bit more. But you never know, right? Never know, but but speaking of, and and we can always go back to this micro draft. But uh, as we talk about the shortstop. Um, I did want to kind of get Chris's thoughts on um, Steve's decision to take Swanson. I mean, I kind of viewed him as, as the safer choice, of course, uh, but I definitely, you know, me going all uh, high upside, preferred Rodgers uh, myself to Swanson. And then you got Bregman in there, who was also top, top five. So, Chris, uh, what are your thoughts on the choice of shortstops, uh, one versus the other. And then talking about that overall top five uh, that you kind of mocked out for us and and nailed almost to a T. Yeah, well, I think one of the advantages that you guys have is the fact that you know exactly what my order is before the draft. So, <laughs> you know, I think it shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody, at least from my opinion, that, that Swanson was, was kind of the right way to go out of that group of shortstops. And I, I think you really did hit it on the head. Um, for me, he was the the perfect mix of those three of the high upside and kind of a low, uh, you know, low floor, if you want to, if you want to go that way. Um, you know, I think when you compare the three of them, as I kind of mentioned when I did the write up for the mock was they all kind of have different skill sets. And I think the key was to me was the different in kind of the, the distance to the majors. Um, I don't know if Swanson's the closest of the three, but I think he could be, especially with that trade to Atlanta. I think they're looking to kind of, um, you know, progress his career a little bit quicker than he than may have been in uh, in Arizona. Um, so really what I think out of him is that you'll see, um, like I said, he'll probably be the fastest. And, and as, I, as I'm kind of trying to put this the right way, I think he'll have the best chance to reach his ceiling. Um, you know, you mentioned Rodgers, and I think Rodgers has the best chance of being maybe the, the highest ceiling or having the most offensive potential. But he's also the guy that I could see in a couple of years from now, um, you know, making the move to third, not being able to stick it short, you know, not being as, uh, you know, maybe not seeing the power potential that is there. Uh, and obviously just had a little bit of risk with that. Um, and I think in Bregman's case, um, I think he probably has the lowest ceiling, but then again, also the highest floor, meaning I don't think that I don't think there's as much of a chance to flame out in Bregman's case. So. I think that was the kind of the key for me. And, and one of the things I'll admit is I'm glad that I wasn't picking in that group because it would have been a hard decision to make on my part. <laughs> you know, I think for me, I would have went Swanson if I had the first pick, but the other guys are all very talented. You know, they're all at a premium position that we view from a fantasy posi- perspective. Um, 
And I think it's really going to be interesting to see how all three of these progress. Um, you know, we had Mankata at the top. You know, I think that was that shouldn't have been a, a shock to anybody, obviously, as I as I did in the write up. But you know, obviously, Joe kind of telegraphed that pick. Uh, you know, months ago, once 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 we knew that he owned that that pick, and uh, it was the right move. I mean, there's no there's no second guessing on that one. I think it was the right way to go. I think it would have been silly for him to second guess himself and kind of go in any other direction. Um, so I think once you get past that pick, then you have these three that are just that are out there, and you know I think they're uh, obviously all have the potential to be very valuable fantasy assets. Um, I just think it'll be interesting to see which ones really kind of you know actually come out of this mold, and I think it's pretty rare to see the same kind of the same position go, uh, you know, in these top you know call it top four picks. Um, really, from the top the fifth perspective, I mean, obviously you knew that I, you know when we talked, Johnny, that I had pretty strong feelings about Ben Attendee, and I think. Uh, you know, he was, um, you know, viewed very highly coming into the draft, you know, even major league draft as well as our draft. Um, you know, obviously ours is a little bit more important, but, you know, we, we can still pay a little bit of attention to the major league draft. Um, but I think he was the one that really did the most to improve his stock kind of since he was drafted. Uh, and I think that was one of the keys to Ben attendees that you usually like to see when these guys, you know, obviously if they sign pretty early, they can get a decent amount of at-bats in. Um and I think just just from what he showed in those at bats, that really improved his stock. So for me, from an outfield perspective, I mean, there were a lot of outfielders in this draft that I felt were, um, you know, pretty good, pretty good prospects out there, even you know, without some major league time, uh, you know, at least professional time. Um, but I think just from what he showed, the ability that he was really able to transition his game to the minor leagues, I think that's what really made him kind of that solidified top five pick. Um, you know, obviously, I think you would agree with that, Johnny, but <laughs> you let me know. Yeah. Yeah, no, he had been climbing and climbing, and then I, then I see uh, all these articles, you know, uh, verifying my thoughts on him. Uh, I see your mock, you know, saying this guy's not far away, and um, it's crazy. I know uh, Amos Joe; he's a big, uh, big Sickles guy. So uh, seeing that out there, seeing your thoughts, you know, it's interesting. I don't know how you feel about this, but the way maybe your mock influences picks in, a, in our draft in so much as I, I felt I had to move up and trade with Joe uh, to get that fourth pick to get him. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I think the only thing that we kind of discussed was whether Joe would want to go outfield, outfield. But again, as we talked before, you never really know, um, you know, which direction anybody's going to go. And I think if you're interested in getting a guy uh, and you think he's going to be gone, then you make the move. Because again, if you're you know that invested in the guy that you think he's going to be a solid choice for your team going forward, then what you do is you make the you know you pay the price, you get the pick, and you get the guy, and hopefully he pans out. Chris, what is your opinion of of the uh, the three pitchers that went in succession there at uh, at uh, six? Uh, I guess it'd be six, seven, and eight this year. Uh, Former Meda and uh, Allard. Uh, the reason I ask. Uh, just just a quick little glance back. It it uh, looks to me like this was the first BDL draft since 2009 that an arm did not go in the first five picks. Yeah, I think they were all pretty solid selections. I mean, I think Fulmer, um, obviously the highest profile uh, out of the group that you of the three that you just mentioned, at least from a obviously from a draft perspective. We'll talk about Meta in a second. Um, but I think really between him and Tate were really the two, um, you know, kind of the, the most heralded arms coming out of the draft. Now, we didn't exactly see that shake out in our uh, 
in our in our draft, so we can kind of talk about that later. But you know, I think Fulmer, solid upside guy that should be pretty pretty quick to the majors. Um, and really, what it's going to come down to for him is whether or not he sticks in the rotation or not. Um, you know, obviously, I think they're going to give him every opportunity to do so. So it'll just be interesting to see kind of how his arm progresses. Um, but obviously, even if he doesn't make it into that rotation, I mean, obviously, he has a pretty strong makeup to even be the back back end uh, closer or something like that. So, you know, I, I think it's tough to say that you know you take the sixth overall pick and you put him in a closer role. It's probably a bust from from our perspective, but you know, at least the benefit is he doesn't have no value if he doesn't become a starter. Um, you know, I think in Maida's case, uh, you know, obviously Maida would have been on this list, you know, on my mock when I did it, if he was signed at the time. Um, so it was kind of unsure whether or not he was going to sign and just kind of made the decision to kind of leave him off. Uh, and then if he did sign, hopefully he would have fallen to me at the end of the draft. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think, I think he was a solid pick. I would say that if I had to peg out who would have picked him, it wouldn't have been Brent. And, and not to say that's anything against Brent. I just, you know, based on the kind of the history that I've seen in terms of Brent's drafting, I didn't expect him to go, uh, you know, kind of starting pitcher ready for the majors. But uh, I think it's a solid pick. Um, you know, from what I've been reading about Meta, I think he's probably more of a, you know, number three, number four starter in terms of a rotation. Um, but that's nothing to shake a stick at. I mean, obviously getting a, a guy that's ready to pitch in the in the majors, hoping that his arm holds up because that is a concern. Um, but if it if it holds up and he doesn't need the surgery and he's he's there starting for them, especially for that team, um, he's going to be a pretty important fantasy asset. And I think again, while there is risk with him, there's obviously less risk than a lot of the other guys that went kind of in the next couple of picks. Um, so from Allard's perspective, uh, I will say that he's probably the the number one pitcher that I was targeting in this draft. Uh, I had him in my mock kind of going one pick before uh, my pick started, and I ended up trading for you know one of the picks above that, hoping that Allard would fall. Um, didn't really work out that way, but uh, you know I think that was a, definitely a solid pick for John, and I think that'll be a good um, a good addition to that team. I think he's probably the one that in my mind had the most upside of a pitcher coming out of the draft. Um, in terms of being able to stick in the rotation and just kind of stuff. Um, so I think a lot of people will talk Fulmer and Tate, as, as we mentioned Fulmer before. Uh, but I think Allard, if you look at the kind of the chance to stick in the rotation and kind of the team that he's on, um, I think he has a pretty good chance for that. And I think it'll be interesting to see what the Braves do with all those pitching prospects, because they've kind of been stockpiling prospects, especially in the pitching on the pitching side of things. Um, so it'll be interesting to see sure. kind of how that young rotation comes around. So, so have you, so have you, Chris. You've been uh, stockpiling Braves pitching <laughs> uh, prospects. Yeah, not, as well. I was going to say that that was one of the things that I was actually didn't want to draft Allard because it seems like whenever I pick up a pitching prospect, they get traded to the Braves. So I figured, why do I even need to bother to? Uh, why do I even need to bother mm -hmm. to draft a guy that's already on the Braves? Yeah, it happened with Freed. It happened with Toussaint, and it happened with Newcomb. All three of them I owned on a different team, and they've been traded to the Braves since I've acquired them. <laughs> Well, in in Tate's case, of course, he fell to the number twelve pick in the second round to uh, to one of our newcomers, to Steve. Uh, do do you view that pick then as, as really one of the steals of the draft? I do. There were a couple, and I think that was definitely one of them. Um, you know, I think it's interesting because you know, as we've kind of briefly discussed in our in our pre work for this, there were three guys that I had pegged to go in the first round. Uh, that actually fell into later rounds. And what I will say is, while Tate and Whitley was the other one that actually got drafted in the second round, Oliveria fell to the third round. And I think that's actually the first time that that's happened uh, since I've been doing this mock. So, 
typically when I do the mocks, everybody that I put in there either goes in the first or, you know, high second or, or you know, second period. Um, I don't know if that's because I have that much influence on everybody or if I'm just that dead on. You're, you're, um, like, no, mean but, to, no mean to brag there, Chris. You're, Jeez. It's not like I had that. It's not like I had that stat already prepared or anything. So you're, you're, you're the BDL Snoke, Chris. Exactly. There you go. Um, but since we're on Tate, I mean, I think that was a steal at that pick. And I'll mention that. I mean, if I had a pick in the second round um, and I didn't take Tate, you know, I'd be looking back on, on that choice. And like I said, if I did have a pick personally, uh, I would have went Tate. Um, I was exploring a couple of trades up, just couldn't kind of couldn't kind of make something worth it. Um, I kind of view Tate in the same light that I view Fulmer. And I have them pretty much interchangeable if you wanted to ask me personally who I would rather have. Um, so I thought it was inter- very interesting to see Fulmer go sixth overall and Tate drop all the way down, like like you said, into the late second round. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that works out. And I think um, potentially a lot of people that passed on it might be, uh, you know, regretting that. And, and admittedly so, I passed on him with two picks uh, in the end of the first. I just felt like the guys that kind of made it down to me, um, because some of the other guys that kind of crept up into the top ten, uh, gave me the value to kind of pass on Tate. Uh, but again, if I had, had a second first rounder, or what I should say is a third first rounder later, or an early second round pick, I probably would have went Tate. Yeah, I, I passed on Tate twice in the first round and twice in the second round. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had him right there. I was, I was eyeing him up and actually went two high impact, high risk, high reward bats in uh, Naylor and Fox over him. Mm-hmm. It's just I had, to, I had this fear that. You know, I, I guess I just felt safer with the bats. I don't know. It was definitely a good pick by Steve, uh, getting him so late. Listen, I know you love Fox, but I think that's a funny comment, that you felt safer with a guy. How old is he? 16? 17? Uh, something like that. <laughs> okay. Just checking. Over, yeah. over a, over a, safer with a 16-year-old over a college arm that was drafted, what, you know? <laughs> I, I do. I don't know what it is. But... So this is and hey, that all comes down to personal opinion, right? Personal opinion. Yeah, let's briefly talk about as we round out the, the first round. Um, mm-hmm. A couple guys that jumped in uh, with Amish Joe. I don't know why I call him Amish Joe. By the way, <laughs> old, <laughs> old habits die um, hard. Yeah, uh, Eddie Julio Martinez, and then uh, Matt jumping up or finishing the round with uh, Caprellian. Thoughts on this too? All right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you read my mock, I put a comment in there uh, after the fifth pick that I said, here's where it could get interesting. Uh, and one of the comments that I had in that kind of in that bullet point was the fact that there were a lot of international guys out there that, you know, honestly could have, I could have easily seen jump into the first round, really just depending on, um, you know, kind of what people's tolerance for risk is. Um, you know, I would say Fox was one of them with you. And then, uh, you know, Martinez was definitely another guy that I was, uh, that I was kind of eyeing up um, from that perspective. What I would say is that Martinez, I'll tell you, if he was there at 12 or 13, I would have thought about going for him. So I think that Joe made a really smart pick here. Um, Listen, there's always going to be a lot of risk with these guys, but at the same time, I think, you know, if he has the season this year that we could see that honestly that he has in him, uh, we could see him shoot up a lot of those lists and be, you know, pretty high in terms of an overall prospect. So I think while he's obviously, while Joe's taking on a lot of risk in this, um, he kind of has the system to do it. Uh, you know, I think he's got a pretty strong system, got a pretty strong base of young guys. So why not take the picks and try and leverage them for people that are going to, you know, like I said, either going to flame out and he can get rid of them 
or they're going to be, you know, pretty strong stars. You know, I think that's one of the advantages that he has, and I think that's the way he went, and I think it was pretty smart. Um, the one thing I'll add, though, I think is that Joe went pretty interesting with the rest of his draft, because I would say, let's see, if I look at the draft, I'm not sure he drafted anybody that was not an international player, right? So he took Moncada, he took Martinez, he took uh, Diaz in the second round, and he took uh, Alvarez as well. So I think he went uh, he pretty loved, much all international with all of his selections. He loves those international players. One of these years, he's going to hit with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and uh, uh, and uh, yeah. you be more patriotic, Joe. <laughs> and I will say that I had all of those guys ranked pretty well on my lists. I was just looking for you know maybe some of the guys he took in the second. I was you know if they were there in the third, I was going to think about it. So. You know, I think he just decided that that was the way he wanted to go, and uh, he went for it. So, you know, again, those he probably didn't have any picks where I would have projected them to go. So him taking them there, I think, was, you know, good because it was the only way he would have ended up with them. I'm just saying, you wouldn't see Donald Trump taking all those international guys. <laughs> he probably couldn't even <laughs> pronounce their names. <laughs> <laughs> He'd have a really high outfield wall. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just add one, one nice. other couple things on the first round. Uh, yep. These are just my opinions now. Uh, Chris, I thought you did real well getting Tucker and Clark late. I like them both. Obviously, we, we've talked about this a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I did like John getting Allard. I'm really surprised Brent didn't take him, uh, being you know being the brave he is. And I thought Hap or John getting Hap uh, with number fourteen was both a steal and a very obvious pick. Uh, I, I figured he would, he would drop right to John. Yeah, if you look at my mock, I actually had John taking Cameron, and those two picks got flipped. Obviously, with the mm-hmm. with the, uh, with the uh, Cubs connection, I could see that, that, that swaying it to, uh, to Hap for him. But I think uh, back when I posted him as uh, uh, in the future with always going with the Cubs guy, he kind of, you know, <laughs> talked back a little bit to me. So I figured I would go in a different direction. But... He proved himself to be, you know, a creature of habit with that. So, <laughs> um, I think the one other thing that that you mentioned earlier was with was with Caprillion kind of getting selected in the end of the the first. And I think, um, you know, not to talk about worst picks or any of those kinds of things, because listen, you know, I think I'm as I said before, I'm a strong believer that if you believe in a guy, you got to get him, you know, where you think he'll go, as opposed to waiting and, and then losing out. But I would say that Caprillion, especially talking about some of the guys that fell into the second round. Um, I think that's a guy that has potential. So it's not like I'm saying he's going to be a bust pick. Uh, but obviously at that point, I think he would have been a pretty strong pick, maybe late second, early third, even late third. Uh, I think still would have been on the board at that point, just based on how the draft shook out. So, you know, I think Matt stepped up, took him. If he's interested in him, great. I think he has upside. But I think uh, it was probably a reach, you know, for that pick. I think you could have got a little bit more, uh, a little bit more value or a little bit more of a short thing. Yeah, Matt constantly... Uh, disproves any of our theories on uh, players <laughs> or season projections. Uh, um, he's really good at that. Um, I keep saying I'm going to round out the first round, so this is going to be the third time here. All right. The last thing I want to mention is uh, I don't want it to go unmentioned that uh, our reigning champion jumped up to the to the fifth pick to grab Bregman. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of sneaky. Way he, he just he just like you know I'm, I'm up hop up in here and and take my this future shortstop potentially um, I'm constantly impressed with uh, you know the prospects he, he grabs but uh, uh, that that one stuck out to me. Do you have yeah. any? Um, 
Okay. You know, go, you, you, can, you can talk about that, but do you have any round two through five surprises after the first round? Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll mention about Bregman, just to round out the first round, um, but uh, <laughs> I, I was definitely surprised to see Bill step up and take him, only because that seems to be against, um, you know, kind of what Bill's done in the past, which, like I said, is almost a testament because he's obviously been doing the right things. Um, but what I would say is for the price that he traded up for, I don't know why not. And not to say that Joe didn't get a good deal, because I don't mean it that way. But obviously pulling in a damaged first and third rounder for the fifth overall pick this year, I think was a pretty pretty slam dunk from Bill's perspective. You know, obviously we're pretty sure that Bill's going to have a decent season. You know, I'd be surprised if he didn't. Um, so I would expect both his first and third rounders to be pretty late uh, in the draft next year. So to trade what I would, you know, potential for the last overall pick in the first and the last overall pick in the third for the fifth overall pick this year, um, I think that was a pretty, pretty easy slam dunk for me. Um, from kind of the remaining round perspective, I mean, I think what I saw was that a lot of, there were still a lot of valuable guys that kind of fell into some of the later rounds. I mean, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, even in Whitley and, and Tate and all those kinds of guys. Um, but I think what was also interesting with the draft is that we had, you know, kind of the new guys acquire some picks, you know, obviously from their micro draft as well as from, uh, you know, just general trades across the board. They were kind of very active in, uh, you know, acquiring as many picks as they could, um, but what I would say is that that kind of – I hate to use the word derail because I think they derailed it in a good way. But I think they derailed the draft in terms of how our draft normally shakes out. Uh, you know, obviously, I think we saw a lot more guys go um, – you know, even use a Jan Gomes in the second round. A, a very strong pick because I think Steve needed someone at that position. And obviously, Gomes is you know at least projected to be a top 10 catcher next year. I would just say that traditionally, that probably wouldn't be somebody that would have went in our second round. But, you know, obviously having the new guys acquiring the picks and having, um, you know, kind of them have the need to kind of shake out a roster. Uh, you know, a lot of us aren't in that position when we're doing this draft. You know, we have a, a pretty much a, a solidified roster and we're really just looking for additions as opposed to missing a middle infielder or only having, you know, five starting pitchers or something like that and really needing to shake out an entire roster. So, um, I don't know how you guys felt about that, but that was kind of an interesting thing to me um, that with them acquiring a lot of the picks, I think it, it kind of sent our draft in a different direction. But like I said, not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, their activity was uh, was awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, they, um, you know the, the introduction of, of Tim and Steve, you know, ha- had that effect in, in, in more than one way. Uh, uh, I, I began to receive... Uh, and this is, I guess, a little bit off topic, but kind of in the same lines. I began to receive, you know, trade uh, uh, inquiries from from GMs that that I have not received from in months. Uh, and I think that mm-hmm. their their activity in, in in those ways really spurred uh, additional activity uh, on, on on the part of of other owners. Um, so you, I, it was sort of a ripple effect, and and we saw that not just with with the draft, but you know we had um, some teams that really made some big big changes, um, you know for their for their clubs after a couple dominoes, you know sort of fell. Um, mm-hmm. So it you know there I don't want to say it was a tidal wave of change that that Tim and Steve brought. That's being a little dramatic, but uh, it's you know we've we've certainly seen. An interesting shift this off season. 
you know, and and, and certainly uh, some some of that should be assigned to the effect that the the two new teams have had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I mean, like I said, you know, it. I guess I hate to use the word derail because it sounds negative, but you know, I think when even you look at a lot of the later rounds. Um, there was a really an interesting mix of guys that went that are, you know, were either in the major leagues or, you know, international guys or prospects. I and mean, I think we saw a lot of, um, you know, international guys go this year kind of comparatively to other years. And I'm not sure if that's because there's maybe been a bigger influx in general in major league baseball, that it's obviously having an impact on fantasy, or if it was just kind of the shift in, you know, some of the strategies that some of our, uh, you know, owners are employing, but, um, but I definitely think we had a lot of good steals later in the draft because of some of that. You yep. know, I think we had a lot of guys that got pushed up um, and a lot of guys that fell that I think will be pretty solid picks. You know, Chris, it could have something as well to do with the fact that uh, uh, more owners were more willing to take flyers this time due to the number of mm-hmm. owners uh, number of owners who had multiple picks in, say, the first and second round. You know, what you would consider the, the premium pick uh, zone for the draft, you know, you had, of course, you know, you you had what three picks in the first round. I, did, yeah. I, I think Joe had had two or three. Uh, uh, Brent had had a couple. Johnny had what three or two, two or three. Um, like seven. Yeah. <laughs> this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but that sort of, you know, I think it 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 opened up. It, you know, it, it opened up a a uh, sort of a, a new. Uh, or 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 channel that we have not you know seen used uh, in in the league in in a few years uh, of sort of those late those late uh, flyer grabs uh, that were made mm-hmm. possible by the fact that you know so many of our owners uh, kind of stacked their picks this year and I, honestly I you know I don't know and, and and admittedly I have been a little bit unplugged uh, this draft season due to the fact that I did not buy into the draft this year uh this year <laughs> the, the last couple three something okay that's better <laughs> um but it, you know I, i'm not sure that this was the best draft to deploy that sort of strategy in terms of the the players that were available um but that's to be seen and you know we we all know that um, it's, it seems that you, you have just as much luck plucking, you know, an all-star in the third and fourth round as you do in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's such a crapshoot, but, um, yeah, I think that's why it all comes down to what you paid to acquire, right. uh, you know, some of the picks. And I think that's going to be, what's the key, uh, especially for me, um, you know, not to get off on a tangent about my own team, but I didn't have any picks in the first round until I traded away Puig. You know, in that that deal where I was able to pull in Strasburg and then two first rounders. So to me, it wasn't like I was, you know, again, Strasburg was the main piece of that. The first rounders were kind of what got the deal done. Um, So for me, it was at least there was a little bit less risk with trying to select some of those guys or trade up. Because, again, I was getting a guy that I already felt confident in. And I think that's really what it comes down to. And the key is that, you know, making sure you're not giving, you know, if you're going to hinge, especially this year. You know, again, just trading one of your top guys for all picks, especially in this draft, it would have been a big risk. Um, so I think the key is really mixing some of that return when you're making a trade to kind of get these multiple picks. And if you can do it for kind of a low, you know, cost to acquire, kind of like I said with Bregman and Bill, 
you know, if Bill can trade what will be a late first rounder next year and a third rounder for that high of a pick, why not take the risk? Right. Um, so I think it really just comes down to what you can get for it. Or, you know, I'm sorry, what you can kind of get the picks for. Um, and obviously, if you're hinging, you know, trading, you know, <laughs> if I was to trade Goldschmidt for all, you know, all the first round picks this year, that would have been a big risk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just from a, but but you understand where I'm going with right. that, right? It's, right. it's like you would never expect that kind of return. Right. You know, and I think it's interesting because you've had years where you've obviously acquired, you know, I think I forget that first year, you had seven picks or something like that. Um, you're right. That was probably a better draft class to go after. But then again, I think you did make um, some pretty, for example, you traded guys solely for picks, I believe. And, and, you know, it's hard to think back to all of that. But again, that was probably a little bit safer for you in that draft class. I probably wouldn't have recommended that for something like this year. Right. Probably a good way to splinter uh, uh, Chris and Johnny into discussing overall winners and losers in this year's 2016 draft. Is there anyone who sort of jumps out at you based on what we've talked about and what we've seen uh, here in, in, in this draft as being, um, you know, the, the, the winning class, you know, the, the, the two or three or four owners who, who really knocked it out of the park, per se? So you don't, you don't buy into this draft is what you were saying, I, I believe. So I, I figured if, if, we were, if this call was running over, this might have been the section we could cut out because it's, it's pretty obvious that, that I won best draft <laughs> and, and you won worst draft. Hey, I'm not sure how Chris feels, but uh, it seems you know pretty obvious to me. <laughs> I, 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 my, my trophy and I are willing to live with that, Johnny. <laughs> Ouch! Ouch! Um, I would listen. It's way too early to kind of call you know good or bad drafts based on what's you know again how these players are going to work out because I think you know down the road we'll see where that that shakes out. I mean, what I would say from my perspective is obviously I, I felt Joe had a really good draft. Like I said, I think. You know, obviously, getting Mankata first overall is kind of a <laughs> a nice uh, segue into the draft. But you know, I think going with the the high upside guys that he did. I mean, we'll see if in three years if they don't pan out, we'll probably have a different conversation. But again, if one or two of those guys hit that he took later in the draft, um, you know, he's going to have a pretty solid draft. And I know that I've been picking on Matt, so I'm not going to go too far here. I think I think it was a bad draft, but I also think he got a lot of guys that can help him. So. You know, even just to give a positive note, picking up Tyler J in the third round, um, I think that was a really solid pick. I think that'll be someone that, that'll work out for him. Um, and again, the only reason I really selected him for this is only because when I do look at a lot of the picks that went in some of the later rounds, uh, or even some of the high round picks, I think it's guys he could have waited on, and then possibly some of the guys he selected late in the draft were guys that probably would have been there through the, through the free agent process. So, again, I think J helped solidify you know his draft a little bit but i would say that some of the picks he used he probably could have got some more upside guys uh and kind of let some of those other guys drop through uh but still would have been there for him later so again not not overly negative trying to pull one one positive out of it but uh i just think from a value perspective he could have shifted some picks around yeah i think i'm i'm going to agree uh with chris on on joe's draft uh because we did discuss um it was very top heavy this top Five, let's say, players uh, were pretty obvious picks. Uh, Joe getting pretty much, I would say, the, the best player of that group. And and then he proceeded to kind of trade back, trade back, kind of work the draft to his favor, given that there was mm-hmm. um, so much depth after that. Kind of, you know, they're all in that same pool of players. I did also like, I mentioned before, Chris's draft, and I liked uh, John's draft, grabbing both 
Allard and Happ in the first round. Um, so going to go with Scotty as having the worst draft. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, I I will throw this last parting shot. The fact that Brent uh, passed over uh, Allard, uh, and I'm I'm not sure how, but somehow John has been snookered. Uh, we'll see what happens with Allard going forward. But yeah, and I will add one. I'll add one thing since I did call out Matt. I do also like the picks he made in the fifth round. So, like I said, I think um, he has the potential to make it up kind of in Burroughs and in Soroka. But, uh, uh, like I said, I think uh, he would have ended up with a killer draft had he picked these guys late and gotten some solid top-end top guys. So, that's yeah, my I like, political I like Burroughs. Burroughs a lot. Um, and he, maybe, he, maybe he needs this and uh, to prove, prove us wrong again. <laughs> but... If you guys don't have anything else on the draft, you let me know. Um, I could take us into a new segment, uh, kind of replacing our um, what was it? What was our last segment? <laughs> What's it called? Uh, rounding the bases, right? Something. Rounding the bases. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're just going to start off. It's real brief. Here are some takeout slides. Okay. Yo, Tim. Mm, you've got some balls. Like, have you guys seen his, his avatar on uh, CBS? He, he is literally like the mirror image of NorCal's uh, picture there with a, with a baseball. Um, and I suppose anything's better than that worn-out Bulldogs logo, but uh, let's hope his team doesn't go the other way like, like his uh, logo does. Maybe, maybe, maybe Tim is actually Bill, and that's his new farm club. It's possible. I don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> Or, or what that is. Uh, hey, hey, Brian. Go ahead. What do you got? <laughs> Keep laughing. Hey, Brian. You're half the man you used to be. You've got Trout, Harper, and Stanton. Impressive. But here are six other names in your current starting 12. Sweetheart, Herrera, Chisenhall, Ramirez, Jeanette, and Cron. And while I like Cron some, you've got some work to do, bro. <laughs> Back to you, Scotty. <laughs> uh, Let's see if he, if you're still staying that after he beat you 10-0. Uh-oh. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Damn. That's, our, that's our new segment. Let it let it let it marinate and, and we'll uh, we're really gonna rip it into some keys this year. <laughs> oh yeah. All right, well before we uh before we wrap things up here, Chris, uh do you do you have any opinions really on sort of the state of of the minor league culture here in the BDL uh, uh, right now? Yeah, I think the thing that's that's interesting is I've seen a lot more of a focus, um, especially since when I came into the league on on prospects in general. Um, you know, I think when I came in, <laughs> chuckling. <laughs> I think when I came in. Um, you had some clubs that had very strong systems and then, you know, maybe three or four guys that kind of ignored it altogether. Um, and I think we're in a much different position now. I think there's a couple of teams that, like I said, probably um, don't have the right minor league assets. And, and again, some of the teams that just don't use their minors in that way. Um, but I think in general, you know, and we'll see how the, the two new guys shake it out because they've got some pretty decent you know holes to fill in that minor league system. So, you know, I think once we see how that, how they do it, we'll understand kind of what the state is. Um, 
but I would say in general that we have uh, some owners that are really starting to focus a little bit more on uh, on building that side of their team and, and you know either using it to uh, develop guys into their rotate you know into their starting lineups or using it to kind of trade to acquire um, you know obviously major league ready talent so you know I think it's definitely not something that can be ignored from a dynasty perspective because again if you hit some of those guys right uh, that's really where you can turn your team around um, but like I said I think it's a little bit of you know just everybody paying a little bit better attention to what's going on in their squad yeah you know I think it really varies um, varies by owner and varies by era in the BDL you know it's it's a very mm-hmm. I know at least for me it's a very cyclical thing um, you know my miners um, are usually you know the switch is on or the switch is off <laughs> and I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that that's I'm not saying that that's a good thing, uh, but it's... When has the switch been on? <laughs> Ouch. When did you turn the switch on? Do I, do I have to show you my trophy again? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Obviously, it, you've, had, you've had your miners on. Uh, you're very good, and this is the, the, the comment I get all the time. You're so good at, at flipping those, those guys uh, and making that, that run. Uh, and I am I am so reluctant to do that. Um, I want to prove that my my fellers kind of can can come up and and do that. But the state of our our league and the minors, um, totally with Chris, um, it's going to be exciting. I love the new energy. I love the new um, two new guys that came in. So. Yeah, I, th- I think you know, Johnny. Overall, that, that it's really hard to do. You know, if um, you know, just me personally, I, I tend to look at well, all players is is currency, but but specifically prospects is is currency for your team. You know, what do they buy? Um, and I, I think when when I, and I don't think it's an if. I think I think it's a win when we finally have a, a an owner. Uh, who who you know goes all the way to the championship, uh, brings home that trophy, using a different strategy, using the strategy that you are trying to uh, you know build your next dynasty around. Um, that's going to be quite the accomplishment. Um, I think it's going to be very difficult, but eventually we probably will have an owner who will do that, um, and it, it it'll be a very be a very compelling. Uh, storyline to watch yeah and i think from from the beers perspective i was i've always kind of played it in the middle you know i haven't really gone uh one way or the other in terms of selling off all the assets or you know selling off everything that's in the majors to kind of bring in the miners to build it up kind of like johnny did so you know i think that's where i have to begin to question the strategy too because right if you're trying to employ you know kind of a mixed thing or a mixed bag of two different aspects uh, you know i'm not sure that you'll eventually get there and obviously that's just something that you're gonna have to figure out over time but you know i've always spent time to hopefully uh you know build up my miners to the best part and then trade them away normally for major league you know guys but uh you know at the same time i've never really gone through a full clear out and seeing what all those guys could buy at the same time um so it'll be interesting i think like you said it'll be interesting to see uh, you know, kind of in terms of who the next couple champions are, what what kind of strategy they're they're kind of going after. Um, you know, because I think now that we're in a point where we have you know kind of a different league set up in terms of you know our conferences and a different setup in terms of the you know additional offensive positions. Um, 
you know, I think it's really a different time in the BDL now, and I think we're probably on a on a good trajectory. But you know, I think that's where the kind of the, the your, your your individual strategy is going to you know kind of make you know where it'll work. Yeah, and I, you know, I think you really you have to have that mix. You know, you have to have that mix of young and 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 vets together usually to you know to to make things happen mm-hmm. in in the playoffs. I've not really seen a team that has been able to do do it a different way. Not not really. Um, it, if we do have a team, and let's just say that it's the cars, just for instance, that uh, uh, you know really plants that flag uh, at a time where seventy five percent of the roster or more, you know, is between the ages of twenty three and twenty eight. Um, I don't know what's that going to mean. Um, it, they're going to be very tough to contend with for a long time, you know, if, if that sort of thing happens. Uh, Brian, right now, with the cramps, you talk about a hell of a nucleus um, going forward. The only thing is, can he put enough pieces around them uh, to, to, to do that, to plant that flag for, for five years of being nearly untouchable? It's going to be really difficult, but we'll see. That we will. All right, guys. Any parting thoughts? Be nice, John. No, just that. Just that. No, just that. Uh, 2016 is here. Uh, the draft never lasts long enough. It just went by so quick, and uh, we're back. And uh, it's gonna be a good year with new guys and uh, a new season. Absolutely, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. No problem. Um, I was going to say one thing. We should probably get the winter meeting topic started pretty soon, right? So why don't we just uh, open up? Uh, why don't we just start opening up waivers right now after the draft? No, no. All right. I don't want to give everybody a heart attack. So <laughs> just going to sidestep that as best we can here. No, no, guys, I appreciate the time. Absolutely. No, th- thank you for for coming on, and, and thank you guys for listening. Uh, Johnny and I will try to be back as soon as we can, probably around the 1st of March with a full 2016 season preview. And if all goes well, hopefully we can pull one of Steve or Tim or maybe even both onto the show uh, in in March and and learn a little more about uh, uh, the, the new blood here in the BDL. So thanks again for listening. Thanks, Johnny and Chris. And we will uh, see you next time. You've been listening to Two Men On. And we're out. Toss and turned all on that cause I, cause I was looking for, for an ending This was so because